Hallelujah. Praise him. Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. Be on your feet and lift up your hands towards heaven. Open your mouth and thank God this morning for the life that he has given you. Thank God for yet another opportunity for you to be in his presence this morning. Lift up your hands towards heaven and begin to thank him this morning. Open your mouth and begin to bless the name of the Lord. Thank him for the gift of life in the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, be on your feet this morning. Appreciate God for the gift of life. Appreciate God for what he has done for you. Appreciate God that when you slept, it was not automatic that you had to wake up. It is by the doing of the Lord. It is by the grace of God. It is by the hand of the Lord that He brought you back to life. Open your mouth and thank Him. Open your mouth once again and thank God for your salvation, the salvation of your soul that God has saved you from going to hell. He has delivered you from the path of destruction. Open your mouth and thank him. And thank him for the salvation of your soul. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 Romans 10 verse 13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved We are thanking once again We are thanking God once again that he has given us salvation that when we call on him he saved us he delivered us from destruction and today if he shall appear we shall see him and be like him lift up your hands and begin to thank him once again for the salvation that he has given your soul in the name of Jesus that he has not left your soul to rot in hell he has given you salvation lift up your hands and bless him Shut up, 
In Jesus' name we have prayed. We are praying once again and we are thanking God for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are thanking God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 verse 16. He said, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. He said, I am going and I will not leave you as offense. I will send to you another comforter who shall abide with you forever. We are thanking God for the presence of the Holy Spirit that he has given us another comforter. The Holy Spirit who teaches us all things who brings into our remembrance all that the Lord has taught us. Thank him. Thank him for the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our teacher, as our advocate. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Oh, yes, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Genesis 1 verse 2. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And thereafter God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We are asking for the move of the Holy Spirit in our life this morning. In our midst this morning. The move of the Holy Spirit. That as we are here this morning, 
whatever the Lord has for us this morning, we ask Him for the move of the Holy Spirit. That everybody will be touched in a special way this morning. In the name of Jesus. Pray and ask that the Holy Spirit shadows you this morning. Moves upon us this morning. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and pray.
And yet the Lord has given us another opportunity to be in his presence. To hear his word. To be touched by him. And to be blessed by him. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our Father, the General Overseer, I welcome all of you specially to this morning's anointing service. And I pray for you this morning that by the time we live here, your passion will be reignited for the Lord. Amen. Amen. That whatever is dead in your life that is supposed to be alive will receive life this morning. Amen. Amen. And any ungodly passion in you will die out of your life this morning. And the passion for God, the passion for Christ, will be reignited in your life. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Amen. It has been a week long and some of us might not have seen ourselves within the past week. I want you to get up Sorry. and welcome somebody to yeah. church this yeah. morning. Welcome somebody with a smile to church this morning. For be on your feet and welcome somebody this morning. this opportunity that he has given us to bring you the word of God. And this is what our father has for us this morning. He says another opportunity to reignite our passion for Christ. Another opportunity to reignite our passion for Christ. Do we need a passion for Christ? Do we need a passion for the Lord? Yes, we need a passion for God. We need a passion for God. And every time our passion would have to be reignited. Passion is not constant. If you leave it to chance, it will die. 
And so we need to reignite our passion for the Lord. Are you ready to get your passion reignited? Amen. What is passion? It says passion is that God-given desire that compels us to make a difference in a particular ministry or involvement. When you have a passion for a particular area of your life, you are more enthusiastic and motivated. Amen. Amen. You may start something, but it is not automatic that you will end it. You may start a relationship, but it is not automatic that it will go to the end of the ages. The passion with which you started that business, the passion with which you started that relationship, the passion with which you started working for God, the passion with which you started coming to church, it's not going to be automatic. You must work it. You must keep it alive. Else it will die out. It's just like putting a charcoal in copper pot. And then you set it ablaze. If you stop fanning it, with time, it will go off. And so you must keep fanning it constantly. You must keep it, you must keep fanning it constantly to keep it ablaze. And this is what Jesus Christ has against the church. Against believers. That our passion for God, our passion for Christ has died out. We are neither hot nor are we cold. We are lukewarm. We are filled with apathy. There is no enthusiasm in us towards the things of God. We do it anyhow. In Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14 to 16. These are the words of a man, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. He said you have departed from your first love. He says I know your works. So whatever you are doing, the Lord knows what you are doing. He knows your works. If it is hot, he knows it. If it is warm, he knows it. If it is cold, he knows it. How are you this morning? Are you hot or you are cold? There is no middle ground. It's like heaven and hell. When you miss heaven, you will not miss hell. There is no middle ground. And say, okay, one leg, one foot will be in heaven and and the other will be in hell. Let me have an experience of both. It is never possible. It is either you are for God or you are for Satan. It's one of that. It's either you are hot or you are cold. There is no lukewarmness. 
It says he wished that you were either hot or you were cold. If you were hot, he knows that you are hot. If you were cold, he knows that you are cold. But if you are lukewarm, he said he will spit you out of his mouth. What does that mean? It means he will cast you out from his presence to the outer darkness. Where there shall be gnashing of teeth, there shall be weeping and there shall be gnashing of teeth. Our passion for Christ. What is that thing that is killing your passion for Christ? What is that thing that is killing your love for God? He said, you have forgotten about your first love. He said, go back to your first love. You have neglected your first love. This morning, I am praying for you this morning that by the time we finish this morning, your passion for God will be reignited. Your passion for Christ will be reignited. And you will live here full of of a blaze, a blazing for Christ. And when you go, you will know that yes, indeed, the Lord has touched your life. How many of you are aware that we are starting a media fast from tomorrow? It's a five-day fasting and prayers. You have to put yourself in it to reignite yourself. Because Jesus said he is coming for a church that is without blemish no spot you cannot be without blemish when you are lukewarm are you here you cannot be without blemish when you are lukewarm you can only be without blemish or spot when you are either hot or cold Amen. Amen. And not only are we reigniting our own passion for Christ, together we are reigniting our passion for Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, he said, let us provoke one another unto good works. Let us provoke one another unto good works. It's a deep collet unto deep. And iron sharpens iron. And so our mid-year fasting coming from next week, that is from Monday to Friday. It's just five Don't miss any day out. Don't miss any day out. Because the theme for the fast is greater works. Greater exploits. Exploits. Amen. Amen. We shall talk about that later. But at this moment, we are talking about reigniting our passion for Christ. If you don't have any passion for Christ, it means you do not have any love for Him. It means you do not have any love for Him. Those of you who are married here, when you, start, when you first started your relationship, praise Him. Jesus is alive. You see how long you could walk just to go and meet that special person. But what has changed? From the beginning, there was a passion. There was a burning desire in you to see that person at all costs. Whether it is raining or it is shining. But what has happened? Is your passion dying out? 
Is your passion dying out? Is your love dying out? Don't be deceived. Your love can die out. He said, because wickedness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And that is what we are saying now. Because of the terror that is going on in the world. Because of the hardship that is going on. Many people have lost their favor for God. Their desire for God is gone. It's not that they don't have any desire in them. There is a desire in them. But it has shifted from God to something else. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters at the same time. It's either you love one and hate the other. You can't love them 50-50. It is not possible. It is not as though there is no passion in you. There is a passion in you. But just that it is misplaced. That passion that is supposed to be channeled towards God has been channeled towards something else. That passion that is supposed to be channeled towards your family you have channeled that passion towards something else. And so it is not that there is no passion. The passion is there. And so Paul admonishes Timothy. Timothy he says, tear up the gift that is in you. So, he said, fan into flame the gift that is in you. And so it means there is a gift in you. God has given, he has dealt with every man with a measure of faith. It is not as though there is no faith in you. The moment you gave your life to Christ, He dealt with you with a measure of faith. You have to grow that faith. And how do you grow that faith? It's a faith coming by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Jesus is alive. Are you here? Examine yourself this morning. And see, if indeed you still have a passion for God, if indeed you still have a passion for Christ, the things you used to do when you came into Christ, the day you gave your life to Christ, and you began singing, and heaven came down and glory filled your soul. What has happened now? Where is that glory? Where is the heaven? Hallelujah. Amen. There is a fire inside of you. It just needs a spark. You just have to reignite it. You just have to find it. The Holy Spirit is in you. He is that fire that you need. He is that fire that you need. And when you spark it, you see yourself ablaze. You see, passion is that one thing that will transform an average Christian to a mighty man of valor for God. And it's the same passion that will transform a mighty man of valor to an average Christian. 
And so you may just be an average, you just came into Christ. But by that passion, you become a mighty man for God. You become a mighty soul winner for God. It is passion. Passion. It is that same passion that causes someone that sells on his head. Hawking the streets. It is that same passion to succeed. That God transform that person into a businessman or businesswoman. It is that same passion. That same passion. That transforms an average footballer or athlete. Into a world renowned footballer or athlete. It is the passion to succeed. The passion to make a difference. The passion to succeed. So you look back and say, where I am coming from. Come what may, I shall succeed. And so even if your body is weak, you find a motivation. You find a reason to be on your feet. And go and find something to do. That is the passion we are talking about. That passion that keeps you going. Passion is like the fuel in your vehicle. That is what keeps the vehicle going. And when the fuel runs out, the vehicle stops. That is the passion you need. That is the passion you need. The passion that causes you to Travel from here to go and see another person elsewhere. That is the passion we are talking about. Let us channel that passion to Christ. Let us channel that passion towards God. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Jesus is alive. And you see, without passion, nothing great can be accomplished. It takes passion. The difference between that. You see, when you go to the market, you would see a number of people lined up. They are all selling tomatoes. But there is always that one person that is outstanding among them. The difference is the passion. The passion to maintain her customers. And the passion to have more customers. That is what keeps her business growing. The passion. The passion to maintain your salvation. That is what keeps you going as a Christian. That is why you do everything to defend your salvation. The passion. The passion. It is the passion for Christ. That even when there is a semblance of change of weather that it is going to rain, because of the love you have for Christ, you come to church. He said, For we are constrained by the love of God. We are constrained by His love. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. He said, Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual favor, serving the Lord. 
You know, without passion, you cannot properly serve God. Without passion, you cannot properly worship God. Jesus Christ at the well, where he met the Samaritan woman, he said, the hour is coming and now has the hour come where the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. It takes a certain kind of passion to continue serving God. When you even know that the thing that you are praying about it seems God is not listening to you. It takes passion to continue pushing, knowing that whatever may be the issue, whatever may be the situation, God is there for you. Passion. You need to keep your passion alive. That is the only way you can defend your salvation. That is the only way you can keep your Christianity alive. It takes passion. And we need to find our passion for the Lord. We need to find one another's passion for the Lord. It is not it is more than being having talent or skill. And the passion we are talking about is not about your mind. It has to do with your heart. So your love for God. It's not just a matter of love, but the quality of your love. The love for your family is not just about providing everything for them, but the, but the quality of your love for your family. The quality of your love. Amen. Amen. So like Cain and Abel, it was not just a matter of sacrifice, it was about the quality of the sacrifice. It is not just about coming to church, but even how you come to church matters a lot. The quality of time that you give to God, the quality of time. You may spend 12 hours in the church but before God it is zero hours. Because there is no quality at it's just a matter of quantity, not quality. What heart are you in his presence with? What kind of heart is the matter of the heart? He said, where the treasure of a man is there his heart goes. And I dare say, where the heart of a man is, there he produces the best result from. So where you channel your passion to, that is where you produce the best result from. You may have several businesses, but the one that you give the most attention to, tends to be the one that you make the most profit from. Because you are doing everything to make that business succeed. Amen. Praise Him. Your passion for Christ. One time, a scribe asked Jesus Christ. He said, What is the greatest commandment of all? 
in Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had, he had answered them well asked him which is the first commandment of all? Which of them is the greatest? And Jesus answered him the first of all commandments is here, O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God one with all thy heart. Two with all thy soul. Three and with all thy mind. And four and with all thy strength. This is the first command. So it's not just a matter of loving God. I said you shall love God with all your heart. With all your mind. With all your soul and with all your strength. Not loving him 50, using 50% of your heart to love him. 50% of your strength, 50% of your soul and 50% of your mind. Imagine as a woman this is how your husband loves you. 50%. Imagine as a husband, your wife laughs and honors you 50%. God demands the totality of our being. The completeness of our being. All of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. That is what God demands from us. That is how He wants us to love Him. To love Him with all that is within us. All our strength, all our hearts, all our mind. He said, that is the greatest of all commandments. He said, besides that, there is no other commandment. That is the greatest of all. That you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If you love God with all these four, you automatically love your neighbor. Because you cannot love God and hate your brother or sister. It is not possible. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Jesus is alive. So in essence, Jesus is talking about our passion. We must be passionate for God. There is this writer by one writer. It says, while the best lack all conviction, the West is full of passionate intensity. Why is the world suffering? It is because they that know best 
love they lack all conviction and all passion and the wicked ones he said they are full of passionate intensity and so if he wants to kill you he wants to kill you and finish you well but you that is a christian you don't even have an iota of that passion Look at that man that is desiring for a political power. He has so much passion for it. And he will do everything to attain that power. Even if it has to be by foul means. Even if he had to go and consult other gods. And whatever instruction that is given him or her. That fellow would do it religiously. But you as a Christian. You lack that passion. For God. You lack that passion for Christ. And even without passion. For Christ. You may lose your salvation. Once saved is not forever saved. That's why Jesus said, Let every man work out his salvation with fear and trembling. It is something that must be worked out on a daily basis. It's like an athlete that wants to compete at the world stage. You cannot say that. During inter-school, you were the best. And so automatically, when you go to the world stage, you'll be the best. It is never true. It must take constant training. Constant discipline. Constant training. And the desire to make it. And the desire to be the best when it comes to the world stage. It is that passion that will push you there. Are you here? Wow. Are you learning something? Is your passion alive or oh, it is dead? Now if I ask you, you may say your passion is alive. But along the line, I'll be asking you some questions. Not for you to answer me, but for you to answer yourself. And at the end of the questions, you will know whether you even have any passion at all or not. Or if the passion is alive or it is dead. Amen. Amen. Are we here? Yeah. Why do we have to love God that way? Why does God demand that we love him with all our hearts? With all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. Because he first demonstrated it to us. He said, this is how God demonstrated his love to us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed his son for us. There is no love greater than this. That any man should lay his life for another man. 
And so God demands that we love him this way. God demands that we have this sort of passion for him. Because he first demonstrated that love and passion for us. Amen. Amen. And you see, when you have a passion for God and you have a passion for the things of God, there is always this fulfillment that comes with it. There is always this joy that comes with it. Have you ever come to church and then by the time service ended, you felt like if I had not come to church today, I would have missed out. This word was for me. God spoke to me directly. That is the fulfillment that comes with it. Having this passion for God. We must fan that flame. The moment you gave your life to Christ, there was a deposit of that passion in you. Like faith. When you gave your life to Christ, He dealt with you with a measure of faith. So God has given all of us here, all of us seated here, provided we are all born again. There is a measure of faith in us. There is a measure of faith in us. The moment we got born again, God gave everybody that faith. It is that faith that caused you to believe in him. But you see, as you are growing, the faith must grow. The same way when God, when we came to Christ, we gave our life to Christ. There was that passion in us. There was that passion in us. The passion for eternity. He said, for God has put eternity in the heart of men. He has deposited eternity in our heart. That is why we have the passion to think about eternity. Praise him. Jesus is alive. But you see, if you are not constantly thinking about eternity, then gradually your mind begins to shift. Your passion begins to shift. And before you realize, your passion is towards something else. And you may be on the broader path that leads to destruction. Without passion, you'll be on that path. It takes passion to be on that narrow street. Those of you who have been to farms before, you will know the difference between a path and a road. A road can have several cars passing through it. But with with a path, if you are going and you meet another person, one person would have to enter the bush for another to pass. Because two people cannot walk on the same path at the same time. And so it will take passion. And so assuming that you are fighting with someone. And then as you are going, he or she is also coming on the same path. The passion is who is going to give way to the other. But it will take love. Say that let me give her the chance to pass. It will take passion for us to keep on that narrow path. Without passion, we'll miss our salvation. 
Amen. Amen. John chapter 4 verse 34. It is a state of the heart. It is not a state of the mind. John 4:34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish it. Not just to do it, but to finish it. So you see, it's not just about the love. It's about the quality of the love. The totality of your being channeled to God. In your passion. Psalm 69 verse 9. It said, for the zeal of thy house have consumed me. And you see, when Jesus had died, but that was him. when his disciples remembered what was said in the Psalms. That the fear the of thy house have consumed me. They said, because of thy sake, I have borne reproach. Shame have covered my face. For the zeal of thine house have eaten me up. And the reproaches of them that reproach thee are falling unto me. He said, because of the passion I have for you, your zeal have consumed me and the mockery of them that mocked you have come upon me because I bear your name and I have a passion for you. They that made mockery of you are making mockery of me. Passion. In the absence of passion, is apathy. I don't care. Indifference. Some of you, that is how you behave towards your children. There is no care and love towards them. There is no care and love. It is as if you went and picked the child from a refuse dam. You don't have any care and love towards them. You are so indifferent towards them. Be zealous towards God. Be passionate for God. And be passionate for your family. Be passionate for the church. Be passionate for the things of God. Jesus said, I know your works. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. He said, remember the height from which you have fallen. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Revelations 2 verse 4 to 5. He said, yet I have this against you. He said, you have forsaken your first love. You have left your first love. You have deserted your first love. Like one time, Paul cried out. He said, Demas has deserted me. For the love of the world, he has left me. For the love of the world, we have left our first love. He says, nevertheless, I somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And he says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the works, the things you did at first. The things you did when you became born again. The kind of love you had for God. That you wish you were even sleeping in the church every day. 
But what has changed? All of a sudden. Even when you receive a phone call from any of the church members. From any of the Adinos. It is as though. You are, we are worrying. We are disturbing you. Yeah, how? The moment you begin feeling that way. Know that your passion for God has died out. When you see a call from a church member, a call from any of your leaders, that you were not in church last week and last two weeks, and so he or she is calling to check up on you. And it is as though the person is disturbing you. Then know that your love, your passion for God is dying out. Your passion for God is dying out. How can you stay passionately for God? Before you know how to stay passionately for God, we must know the things that kill our passion for Him. There are things that kill our passion. It's just like any relationship, any friendship. There are things that kill your love for your partner. There are things that kill your passion. Number one, clotted lifestyle. Having so many things at the same time. It says, No man can serve two masters. Pursuing the world and pursuing God. It's just like saying, I want to go to heaven, but I want to see what is in hell. So let me put my left foot in hell and put my right foot in heaven. And so I am in between. It is not possible. He said, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot be pursuing the world and say you are pursuing God. You either pursue the world or you pursue God. You can't pursue both. Because God says the love for the world is enmity against God. The love for the world is enmity against God. So if you are loving the world, you are hating God. If you love God, it means you hate the world. And that is why when you love God and you are hating the world, the world hates you. Jesus said, don't be surprised that they hate you. They first hated me. And so when they, if they hated the master, who are you? If the master himself was hated by the world, then who are you? If the world loves you, then know that you are not loving God. Because if you love God, the world will not love you. I had one politician. He was telling his, his members. He said, if the other political, whatever you do, if it pleases the other political party, 
then you must check yourself. It means you are not with us. So assuming you are MPP and he is NDC. And so whatever the NDC man does pleases yeah. you the NPP man. It means he was never an NDC man. Yes. Aye. Because in this country, Ghana, there is nothing NPP will do that will please NDC. And there is nothing NDC will do that will please NDC. And so you are saying that if you belonging to our political party, if whatever you do pleases the opponents, then you must check yourself. It means you are doing their work for them. It means you are in their camp. And so if the world loves you, it is a sign that you don't love God. Because if you love God, the world will hate you. Yes, but time. It's a friendship with the world. It's friend it's enmity with God. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. It's, it's, it's just like being a friend to the enemy of your parents. Okay, so you are neighbors. Your household, your parents are not in talking terms with the next neighbor. But that is where you as the son, you always go and play. No. Maybe. So if you love God, the, 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 the sign that you love God is that the world hates you. The sign that you have a passion for God is that the world will question you. Why are you always going to church? Why are you always going to church? Have you been ever asked this question before? Why are you always going to church? Every day is your church, is your church, is your church. Why are you always sharing things about your church on social media? The social media is a huge land. It's a vast land that everybody is there. Social media, You choose to share what pleases you. Why must we be concerned about what I share? We all have the right to speak. You choose to speak about what matters to you. And I choose to speak about my church. What is your problem? You choose to post anything you want on your status. What is your problem if I post my pastor? What is your problem if I put my church on my status? So if you love God, if you have a passion for God, the world will question you. The world will hate you. But if nobody has ever asked you, I don't know, Pastor, why do you like going to church a lot? Then check your church attendance. Check it well. You You cannot live a divided life. There must be a priority. There must be a focus. It's a putting aside all weights and sins which easily entangles us. 
And so there is a weight and there is a sin. You cannot carry it with you. You must drop them. Have you seen any athlete running with a suit before? It is impossible. It is a weight that will draw you back. And so there are certain things you cannot add it to your Christianity. They don't gel together. It is impossible for you to be a genuine Christian and having a certain lifestyle. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, he said, He said, Wherefore sin, we also are compassed about with a great such great cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. He said we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Seeing this, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that easily besets us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Let us run with passion the race that is set before us. You cannot live a divided life. Seek God first. Something needs to be dropped for you to be able to focus on God. Something needs to be dropped. In economics, we call something scale of preference. And so if a mother or a woman is going to the market, she may not write the things, but in her mind, she knows that when she gets to the market, she will first buy condo and buy cassava dough because she knows she's coming to prepare banquet. And so she will not go and buy cassava and plantain. That is a misplaced priority. Amen. Amen. So there are certain things that you must drop. Look at your life. Examine your life. What is that thing that is holding you back? What is that thing that is killing your passion for Christ? We've talked about a clouded life. Number two, unconfessed sin. He said you cannot be passionate for God when you sin against God. When you are feeling guilty, the fire is put out. Passion and guilt cannot coexist at the same time. There are some of you who are harboring secret sins. Unconfessed sins. But the good news is that God is faithful and just. He said, if you shall confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So now is the time. Examine yourself. Is there a sin that you are even ashamed to tell anybody about? 1 John 1 verse 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
God is not a man. He will not hear your sins and go and tell another man. That, hey, you see that sister? As innocent as a dove. This is what she does. God is not like a man. He said, if you should confess your sins, he is faithful and just. And he will forgive you. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It means he will give you a right standing before him. And so when he sees you, he sees his righteousness in you. And so as you are hearing the word of God this morning, if there is any sin in your life that you are hiding, that you are keeping, you don't want to, you don't, you are even ashamed for anybody to hear it. The good news is that when you tell it to God, He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will forgive you. Just confess it to Him. You don't confess it in your head. He said, if you will confess, confession is done with the mouth. It's just like salvation. He said, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. To confess means you agree with God and you say it as it is. And so assuming I have offended you, I come to you and say, my brother, my sister, do you remember the last time you were asking for that your your money that was written? I'm sorry, I took it. Please forgive me. It's because I needed some money to buy food. And I did not know how to ask you. That is confession. You don't think it in your mind and say that because I am thinking it in my mind. And because that fellow is suspecting that I took the money. He knows that I am confessing. Confession is not done in the mouth. Confession comes from your mouth. And so you must open your mouth and speak to God. Approach him as a father. Says father. This is the sin I have been with. And I am ashamed to tell anybody about it. But according to your word, if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Therefore, Father, forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. And that is it. He forgives you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is the promise of God to you. This and do it as quickly as you can. Because time is running out. Time is running out. Whatever sin it is. Is there any sin greater than the blood of Jesus can clean? There is no such sin. The blood of Jesus cannot clean. It washes away our sins. It may be as red as scarlet. But it shall make it as white as snow. He will wash you. 
He will cleanse you. Amen. Amen. Praise Him. Jesus is alive. We have been talking about reigniting our passion for Christ. Our passion for Christ. Especially in these days that we are in. Because we are in the last days. He said, In the last days, perilous times shall come. And because wickedness shall abound, the love of many shall wax gold. Most of us, our love for God has waxed gold. It has waxed gold. It's like a candle. It has waxed gold. But it just needs a spark. It just needs a light. And that is it. Your passion is set ablaze. Do you have a passion for God? Do you have a passion for God? If yes, is that passion alive or it is dead? You know yourself better than I do. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. And now we are going to take some self-examination questions. I don't need answers from you. Answer yourself genuinely. You see, a genuine acknowledgement of your fault is an indication that you want to do away with that sin. A genuine acknowledgement, acknowledging that you have sinned is an indication that you want to do away with the sin. And so number one question, you may want to write it it says, is my light, so me, I'm asking myself, you are also asking yourself, is my delight in the Lord greater than my delight in someone or something else? Your delight in God, is it greater than your delight in someone or something else? You can easily say yes or no. But by the scripture, in Mark 12 verse 13, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. The totality of your being. He said, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. He did not say your heart or your mind. He said, your heart and your soul, and your mind, and your strength. So if you want to know whether your delight in God is greater than your delight in any other thing, how much is your love for God? What is the percentage of your heart with which you love God? What is the percentage of your soul, the percentage of your mind and your strength that you give to God? Answer yourself. Is your delight in God, greater than your delight in anyone or something else. Use the scripture, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Answer that question for yourself. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
It says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. It's your delight in the Lord. If you say yes, subject it to these two scriptures. Mark 12 verse 20. Verse 2, 15 and 16. Subject it to the scriptures. Number two. Do I long for times of fellowship in God's word? The Bible or in prayer? Do you long for this fellowship with God in His Word in His prayer in prayer? Do you long for that? That fellowship? That's that, that desire you have to be in the presence of that special person in your life all the time. Do you have that same passion? That same desire to have fellowship with God. Psalm 42, 1 verse 2. It says, As the deer panted for the water brooks, so my soul panted after thee, O God. My soul tested for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Do you long? For that fellowship. Do you always want to have fellowship? In word. And in prayer with the Lord. Do you always want to have fellowship with the brethren? He said do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together. As is the manner of some. He said don't neglect the gathering of yourselves. Our fellowship is with the father. With the Holy Spirit. Do you long to have this fellowship? How long do you long for this fellowship? Ask yourself and answer yourself genuinely. Number three. Say, do my thoughts often reflect upon the work, upon the Lord and His goodness? Your thoughts. Are you always thinking about the goodness of the Lord towards you? Are you always thinking about the mercy of God towards you? Are you always thinking about His goodness? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, meditate on these things. If there be any report, it says, think on these things. Meditate on these things. So, do you always find yourself 
thinking about the things of God. All that has occupied your mind is the world. If your mind is occupied by the world, it means you don't have a passion for God. Because the standard of measuring your passion and your love for God is that you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen. Amen. Number four. He said, Do I reject those things which I know displease the Lord? In John chapter 14, verse 15. Said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you reject the things that displease God? Do you reject them? Is God pleased with bribery? Are you displeased in bribery? Amen. Amen. Ask yourself. John chapter 15 verse 10. It said, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments, and abide in his love. Number five. Do I willingly and cheerfully give to God's work and to the needs of others? So you see, it is not as easy as you think to answer yes to the question that do I have a passion for God? Subject it to the scriptures and you will know whether you truly love God or not. And you know whether you truly have a passion for God or not. Do you willingly and cheerfully give to wow. God's word and to the needs of others. Do you find it as a burden to give towards the things of God? Or you see it as an opportunity to partake in the building of the church? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6-8, to but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. It means whoever sows grudgingly would also reap grudgingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as his purpose, as he purposes in his heart. So let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It's a he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. 
When we're in the village, there, there, was, there was this family. I think they were the laziest of all the people in the community. When it's time for plowing the land to go and sow meat, They'll be the last people to leave for farm and they'll be the first people to come home. And when they come, they'll be praising themselves. When you go to their farm, you see that they've sowed the maize and the mango trees. And now, when harvest time comes, they are always complaining that their, their, their land is not fertile any longer. So they sowed sparingly and they reap sparingly. Those who go and sow in tears, who carry their seeds and go and sow in tears, the Bible says they will in no doubt return with their sheaves of joy with them. And so those who invest their time and their energy in their farm and they are diligent about it, when the harvest time comes, you see the difference between them. And so do you willingly give towards the things of God. Even your offering that you give, the normal offering you give, what sort of heart do you give it to? Your tithe, what sort of heart do you give it to? Are you giving because if you don't give, people will say, is that the reason why you are giving? Or you are giving because you are giving it to God? So you see, it's not just a matter of giving, but the heart with which you give. And the mindset behind the giving. Again, do I see the commands of Christ as restrictions to happiness rather than expressions of his love? And you know how the world defines Happiness. When you go about drinking and doing all manner of foolishness, yes, that is happiness. So, do you see the commands of Christ as a restriction to your happiness? Or as an expression of his love toward you? It says, in the presence of the Lord. There is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand side, there are pleasures forevermore. There are pleasures forevermore. And so you want joy and pleasure, come to the presence of the Lord. And you see, the reason why we find it burdensome to come to church is because there is no passion attached to it. That is why when you are coming, it is as though someone is forcing you to come to church. Because there is no passion attached to it. And so all that you are saying is that sorry, they are just going to sing. That small boy will come and preach. And then we share grace and we go. Always that is the same thing we are doing. It's because there is no passion. But if there is a passion attached to it, you see that any moment to come to church, it's a moment to receive something from God. Because there is always something new from God. There are always something new from God. From God. That He gives you. 
And so if you want to enjoy church, reignite your passion. If you don't want church to be boring to you, reignite your passion. Why is it that Kofi is in church and he finds church boring but Ama is in the same church and she's jumping all around and she's excited. It is about the passion. The same church, the same preacher, the same singer, the same drama, the same organist. But Ama is excited. Kofi is bold. Why? It is the passion. Amen. Amen. Praise him. Jesus is alive. Again, the questions are many, but I'll cut them short. We'll, we'll pray. Do I inwardly strive for people's recognition and acclaim rather than the Lord's approval? Are you coming to church so that people will see you and say, this person is a Christian. This person loves God. Or you are going to church or you are doing the things you are doing for God because you need His approval. There is a story I heard. It says a young man who had completed school, university. For several years, he had tried to find a job he could not find. Then one day he came home and he, called, he sat his father down and said, I have a good news for you. He said, What is the news? He said, You with time, I will tell you. The father persuaded him and he finally opened up. He said, I have found a job as an armed robber. The father said, Really? He said, Yes. And then he shook him. He said, I will teach you the tenets of armed robbery. Because myself, I am a successful retired armed robber. Yes. He said, these three things do at all times and people will never suspect you to be an armed He said, all the time wear white shirts and appear pious. Number two, every day play gospel in your room. And when you are playing it, open the volume so high that your neighbors would hear. And learn the scriptures. That's number three. So at every point in time, you are quoting the scriptures. Even if police come to arrest you that you are a robber, your neighbors will defend you. So are you doing the things you are doing to seek the recognition of men or you want the approval of God? Don't be like that. I'm a robber. Are you always coming to church on Sundays so that people will be saying that, hey, sister, where you are going to God. They are not in your heart, so they do not know. It is God. Seek for God's approval than the recognition of men and the world. He said, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, he said, all these things are not from God. He said, and the world passeth away. 
and the last thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He that doeth the word of the will of God abideth forever. And how would you know that what you are doing is the will of God? Many of us, we think we are doing the will of God. But we are actually doing our own will. Can I show you how? Now, assuming you return from, you are a student, or you've gone out and you come home. Your mother is in the kitchen. She's cutting onions, tomatoes, and all that. And then, she just called you said, no, come and continue. I'm See, coming. I've had a call. But what, so, be a friend, of what will you do? Ooh, yes, what will you do? I, then I'll be Will you put oil on fire? Ooh, de, and and pour just the onion and tomatoes in? I've done well. Why are you? Then but that is not the will of your mother. So, you, know, you have done your own will. For all you know, she wants to prepare garden eggs to you. But because you saw sliced tomatoes and onions, and you said continue, you did not ask her, ma'am, what are we preparing? You just pour everything in, and then you pour the rice in, and you prepare jollof. Yes, at the end of the day, you have cooked food. But that is your will. Not the will of your mother. And so to know the will of your mother, what she wants to prepare, ask her, Mother, what are we preparing? And then she will tell you, We are preparing our Fransan. So that you know that when you are doing it, you are doing the will of your mother and not your will. And so most of us, we are doing something and we think it is the will of God. But in reality, we are doing our own will. Not the will of God. Because we did not ask God of his will. He that doeth the will of God, the same shall abide forever. Are are you doing your own will or you are doing the will of the Father? Questions are many. I will be praying very soon. Amen. Amen. It says, Am I to quickly forgive another person for offending me? Like last week we learned that another opportunity to forgive or to deal with those who have offended us and those whom we have offended. Do you easily forgive? Or you are that one that forgives but never forgets? How can you be having the passion for God and still be harboring the hurt in you? It is not possible. Amen. Amen. Lastly, do people reject you because you are a Christian? Do people reject you because you have chosen to be on the Lord's side. Does the world reject you? Yes, Does the world hate you because of Christ? Yes, it If the world loves you, yes, like I have told you, yes, it means the love of the Father is yes, not in you. Because if you love God, the world will hate you. Yes, the world will reject you. Yes, 
So these are the indices to measure yourself. To see if the passion of God is in you. And if it is in you, whether it is alive or in you. How do you reignite or how do you keep that passion all the time? Never say no to the Holy Spirit. Never say no to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always prompting you. He is always speaking to you. But you are always saying no to him. Why? Because you are always quenching him. You are quenching him. You are grieving the Holy Spirit. He desires to have fellowship with you. Because that is the reason why Jesus Christ sent him to us. He said, in a short while I will be living. But I will not leave you as orphans. I will send another comforter. A standby. An advocate. A teacher. Who shall abide with you forever. And so the Holy Spirit has been sent to you to be with you forever. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to move with you wherever you go. He is with you. He is to abide with you. But our actions and inactions are grieving him. And that is what is quenching the fire, the passion in us. Because you cannot have a passion without the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that brings that passion. And so when Jesus was living, he told his disciples, he said, go and wait in the upper room. He said, the Holy Spirit shall come. Said you shall receive power. And the Bible says that day when they were gathered on the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered in the upper room, whilst they were gathered praying, they said there fell on them cloaks of tongues of fire. They said there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole place. And there were cloaks of tongues of fire that sat on each of, each of, each of them. And said they began to speak in unknown tongues. When the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with the passion for God. He comes with the passion for Christ. When He comes, He comes with the fire for Christ. We are welcoming Him afresh into our hearts. We are welcoming Him afresh into our hearts. We are reigniting him. Yes, into our hearts. So when 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 you are saying no to the Holy Spirit, you are losing your passion. There's there's this this also one of the ways that you lose passion for Christ. When when there are competing passions in your heart. So at one end you want to please God. On the other end, you want to please the world. So one leg is here, the other is here. And you want to be walking. You want to be moving forward. It is not possible. He said, therefore, wherefore seeing that we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside 
all weights and sins that easily beset us. That we may run the race with perseverance that is set before us. We want to achieve the mark. But at the same time, we are carrying baggages and luggages with us. It is not possible. Something must let go. You must let go something to be able to run the race. Every weight must go. And every unconfessed thing must be confessed. Go to God as a father and tell him Father, this is the sin I have been harboring for years. Nobody knows about it. But I have come to you. For your word says, I confess my sins. You are faithful and just. I acknowledge my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. Thereafter, stay away from it. Because the Bible says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Amen. Amen. Let us redeem the time. Let us redeem the time. Shall we be on our feet? We are going to pray. We are going to pray. We are going to pray. Up your hands towards heaven. You know that from tomorrow to Friday we are fasting. It's our mid-year fast for great exploit, greater exploits. We are praying for reignition of our passion as we enter into the fasting period. We are praying. We are going to be praying for the move of the Holy Spirit in our midst this morning. That as we are here. As we are here, he said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Before we do anything else, with all eyes closed, you know yourself, you know your heart, you know the things that you have in your heart. The Lord is ready this morning to forgive you. Lift up your hands and open your mouth. It is not about the person standing beside or behind you. It is, be, it is because of God. It is by, between you and God. You are not confessing that sin with your mind. Confession means open your mouth and utter a word unto God. Ask God sincerely for forgiveness of that sin. Open your mouth and confess that sin. That you think no man knows. That you think if any man should know about this sin. But God is not a man. 
that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Open your mouth and ask God forgive you of that If you have never experienced the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, this is the time to desire the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Desire the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Joel, please let us read this. In Joel chapter 2, 
from verse 28. It says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. He says, it shall come to pass that afterward I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He did not say some flesh. He said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Upon all flesh. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he said that day when they were in the upper room, there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole room and said they sat upon their heads a globe of tongues of fire and they began to speak of, with unknown tongues. If you have never experienced the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, mm-hmm. that is the time. Mm-hmm. Desire Him, ask Him the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. come into my heart. Mm-hmm. Feel me mm-hmm. move in my life in the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands. Say, my father, pour out your spirit upon me this morning. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and be Rapa, <laughs> 
Lift up your hands and begin to pray. The Lord, let me hunger and tell after you. In the name of Jesus. my word like as a fire saith the Lord and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. We are praying the Lord as I have heard your word send your Holy Spirit the fire of your Holy Ghost come and burn every spiritual unfiltiness in me. Anything that makes me appear as a filthy rag before you send the fire of your Holy Spirit to come and burn it off me in the name of Jesus. I surrender myself unto you, Holy Ghost. Take charge over my life. Feel my heart this morning in the name of Jesus. And bend away every field from my heart. Open your mouth and pray. Rapa <laughs> 
I desire the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I desire the filling of the Holy Ghost. Pour your spirit into my heart. Let me receive the Holy Ghost now. Let me receive the Holy Ghost now. Pray this sincere prayer with all the desire to have the Holy Spirit in your life. As we have learned without the Holy Ghost, there is no passion for God. I desire the Holy Spirit. Let him come into my heart. Pour him upon me. Let your spirit be poured from on high. And fill me with your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Pour your spirit upon your children this morning. In the name of Jesus, pour your spirit upon your children this morning. Fill the heart of your children with your spirit, Lord. In the name of Jesus, every heart that desires you this morning, oh Holy Ghost, fill them now, fill them now, fill them now. In the name of Jesus, let them experience you like never before. In the name of Jesus,
Amen. Wave your hands unto the Lord. Wave your hands unto Him. Give Him a wave offering. God bless you. You may have your seats. Praise Him. Jesus is our life. Amen. Amen. I believe you have learned something this morning. And the Holy Spirit has done something new in your life. Don't forget about this. You must keep the fire in you ablaze. You must keep the fire alive. Like Paul admonished Timothy. Tear up the gate of God which is in you that came as a result of the laying off of my hands upon you. Yes. So please. God bless you for praying. And God bless you for being here.